This is the Media Week Industry Podcast from the people at mediaweek.com.au. Welcome to a new Media Week podcast. Going to be talking television today. My usual co-host is with me, Andrew Mercado, TV critic, TV historian and regular Media Week contributor. Welcome back. Hi, James. A lot to talk about today. Look, the essence of our podcast is is drama. That's what we both probably love the most. That's why we spend a lot of time in front of the box. But there's a few topics today, sort of in reality, maybe game shows. So let's cover them off first. Sure. Um, the Probably the Celebrity Apprentice. Now, I think you gave that a good review, a good rap, didn't you? Yeah, I did. And your I was- Media Week column. Yeah, I, re- I really enjoyed it, but I've always enjoyed The Celebrity Apprentice, James, because I think it's, you know, you can watch celebrities in the jungle eating bugs or you can watch them, you know, doing playing golf and all these shows. What I like about Celebrity Apprentice is it puts celebrities to a whole bunch of different skill tests. And I think it's really interesting finding out who can do those things and who says they can and then who, who falls apart. So I've always enjoyed it and I like the new host, Sir Lord Alan Sugar. I thought he was uh, he was great. Um, I didn't see a lot of love for it on social media uh, <laughs> the night it started. Um, but, look, I enjoyed it and I'll be uh, continuing with it till the end. Yeah, it's interesting you say the feedback from the the public who is prone to sort of um, give their comments and it's, it's mainly on social, I guess, has been talk about was Lord Alan Sugar the right person? I, I guess before this series, most viewers have probably never heard of him. That's true. And I guess what complicates it now is that he flew out here during quarantine and probably did, I think he did private quarantine because he's rich. And, you know, that rankles people. Um, And so people kind of go, because, like, Mark Burris was a great host, the previous host for the show. Um, I don't quite know why he didn't come back or why he got replaced, but, you know, they've revamped the show. They've got a new boardroom set that it looks like it was built on a sound stage. It's all glass. No real office would be like that. Um, but, like, I thought the changes worked. The other criticism was that, that there's a it's a crook bunch of celebrities um, this year. Look, I went through the list before. I thought they were probably nearly all worthy of a place. Yeah. Um, one, one of the things the Chaser said this week, the first challenge should be to see how many of the contestants could name another Another um, contestant, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which I thought was pretty good. But I mean, you got people like the Veronicas, uh, Ross Noble, Shana Blaze, um, Camilla Franks, yeah, Rob, Rob Shahadi, yep, uh, girl from Australia, Ninja Warrior, Surfy Dude, YouTube influencer, Anthony uh, Kalia, um, Michael Whitfley, who's a big name in radio, yeah, Whipper. Um, Michelle Bridges, did you say her before? Yeah, no, so, Michelle Bridges, of course Michelle's you know, there. Shana Blaze, yeah, they're all yeah. there. There's a few sort of nine associated sort of contestants. Um, I think is it Olivia Vivian who was there from the Ninja Warrior. Yes, that's her name. Nine Perth's weather presenter is in there who, you know, you could argue at a stretch, well, how many people are going to know her? But, you know, she's all, I think she's, you know, also been a model. She was a... Uh, Miss Universe uh, Australia right. entrance. So, I mean, that's 
You know, a lot of people, there's, there's been worse contestants, let's put it that way, or not worse, but less famous, if you like, uh, people in the past, I would have thought. Yeah, look, I thought that the, there's always a Miss Universe contestant and now there's always an influencer in there and, you know, it's you know they've got to have a sports play. You know, they go around and pick all these people. There's a lot of comedians this time, Ross Noble and Rob Shahady, but, look, I didn't have a problem with the cast. Da- the model, well, the model from Australian Survivor, David Genet, G-E-N-E-T, he's there too. He's great in it. I thought he he really brings something to that show, doesn't he? His um his commentary about what's going on is um yes. was something that intrigued me in that first episode. Yeah, for sure. Uh, another show that's uh, kicked off this week was the Winkest Link. Yeah. Um, also on nine, I think previously on seven. Yeah. Um, hosted by one of your favourites from um, Summer Bay for a long time, of course. Yeah, Cornelia Francis used to host it. Now it's Magda Shabansky. Um, and, look, I watched the first episode. I thought it was okay. Um, I thought that maybe they were going for a bit of a hard quiz vibe there with it. Um, and Magda every now and then pulled out some of her comedy characters so she wasn't doing the same shtick that Cornelia Francis used to do. Um Look, it was all right, but I didn't think it was fantastic. When it finished, I didn't think, wow, I've got to watch that again next week. I just kind of went, yeah, okay, it's there. Yeah, I tuned in for a bit of it, but I, I, I found it a bit of a punish to stay the whole journey, especially that time of night. Yeah. Um, these days, of course, you can watch it on, on um, Nine Now, so you can yeah. choose your time to tune in. But it's an, interesting, um, it's an interesting play to expect an audience for that at 9 o'clock at night, I thought. Yeah, I would have thought it was a 7.30 show, uh, not a, you know, 8.50pm show after a reality format, but, you know. Yeah. Yeah, the audience was just over 400,000, so it it makes you wonder what it might have done at 7.30, you know, an hour and a half earlier. You know, the the number would have been higher. How much higher, we'll probably never know. But um, it's it's maybe, it's a good audience, I guess, for if it bombed, it certainly would have done worse than 400,000. Correct. The interesting thing will be how many of those people come back for um, future episodes, I guess. Yeah, yeah, true. Um, now, you put on the rundown um, Q&A with Mitch Tambo. Yeah, so Q&A on Thursday night doesn't get much love these days. There's not a lot of people have followed the show from Monday to Thursday. But, look, the latest episode which was Thursday, I think, the 27th of May, Mitch Tambo, who was a contestant on a singing show, was it The Voice he was on? Uh, Australia's Um, Got Talent, I think. Australia's Got Talent. So he's the guy that sang You're the Voice in an Indigenous Language with John Farnham at the Fire Relief Concert, and it was astounding. And, you know, he sang at the end of Q&A, but... He was such an amazing speaker. The way he spoke, you know, he said he was on the show and it was a very politics-heavy show and the first thing he said was, I'm not a politician but, but, oh, God, he just said some of the most interesting and beautiful things. So I really encourage people, if they haven't watched Q&A for a while, a lot of people were kind of on social media going, wow, wow, just let Mitch Tambo speak for the whole hour. He was really speaking his truth and everything he said I thought was really, really interesting and worthwhile and uh, it's great to have uh, his voice being taken in a serious format like that. He's a real find. I thought it was an interesting episode last week too for 
for for me, I don't mind too much the the Thursday. You know, I get it why a lot of people are disappointed. It's it takes away from that Monday night of um, news and current affairs, perhaps. And ABC haven't really found anything in that genre to replace it at nine thirty. They've just gone for general dockers, I guess, which which doesn't really keep any of those people uh, tuned in. There was Mitch Tambo. He's got a Eurovision connection too. I think did he perform at the pre-Eurovision event SBS has in Australia now? Was he in Australia Decides one year maybe? I think they've only, they had two Australia Decides and I've got a feeling he was there last year. Right. But he's also been, I think he's signed with Sony Music. Well, yeah, I think he was there last year, the year that Montaigne won. So, yeah. Right. I think he's great. And I think that version of the voice that he did, you know, was fantastic. You know, there's a bit of a mic issue. I watched it back on YouTube after Q&A and they still haven't quite, they didn't have his mic switched on for the first few lines of the song and uh, that that was really, but, yes, yeah, such a great uh, thing to do. And, um, yeah, I think he's such a talent. Sure, sure. Uh, something else before we get into drama, the seven new spotlight specials on Sunday nights yeah. have been rating pretty well for the channel as we're recording this on the day before the third one goes to air, which I'm disappointed to see I think is going to be about UFOs. Yeah, I did see that. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm not sure. It would be funny if that outrates the other two, wouldn't it? But um, the, the first two were... Um, Craig McLaughlin, which was much discussed. Yeah. And then um, we had the Martin Bryant. uh, That's right. Martin Bryant was the second one. Yeah. Yeah. What did you make of the uh, Craig McLaughlin? Well, you know, I thought it was a bit bizarre, like a lot of people did. You know, I've got a couple of things to say about it. One is that I guess it's in Seven's interest to try to rehabilitate Craig McLaughlin because they own the rights to Dr. Blake Murder Mysteries. And I guess they're looking at the ratings figures, trying to decide, you know, is there enough support for him to maybe go back to that format? I didn't think it was, uh, I didn't buy his argument that the ABC and the journalists were conspiring to take him down because we wanted a Harvey Weinstein moment here in Australia. That was just ridiculous. I mean, we'd already uh, had Don Burke before Craig McLaughlin, and I doubt very much that Kate McClymont sat around and said, let's get Henry from Neighbours for fun, you know. I I, I just think that his defence isn't great. But I think it's really interesting watching what's going on now between Seven News and Nine News. I mean, we've all, there's always been that competition between the two networks, but now that Nine has bought those Fairfax newspapers are, are involved in investigations, sometimes jointly with the ABC, Seven News, sometimes joined with news media, does the complete opposite. So we're seeing that in the Ben Robert Smith case at the moment. You've got the Nine version of the story in their papers and the Daily Telegraph, you know, doing completely the opposite, showing full support for him along with Kerry Stokes. Um, but, you know, I also saw it in the Craig McLaughlin story. I mean, the show started and straight away they were saying, that, you know, Nine and ABC engaged in a conspiracy against Craig McLaughlin. So it's interesting watching that rivalry becoming, I think, even bigger now that uh, they Nine now owns the newspapers. Yeah, it was also sort of strangely compelling, some of it too, wasn't it? And uh, the the 
tapes, the sort of outtakes from some of the, was it the ABC interviews? Yeah. It was never really explained how they got them, I don't think, was it? That was... Unless those tapes had to be provided as part of court evidence, that's why I, I thought maybe they got them there, but then still how did they get them? And I didn't really buy that argument, James. Look, you know, I've worked in TV for a long time and, you know, that's pretty much, I'd call it common practice, that mm. you're interviewing somebody and then you say, look, could you do that bit again, but could you maybe take a bit of your first answer and put it in there because <laughs> we'll do it in one grab? I mean... They do that all the time. And I didn't even think the clip they used was very compelling either. The the producer said to the girl, could you please say that again like this? And she went, okay. And she didn't say what the producer told her to say. She repeated what she originally said in a different way. So I thought they were grasping at straws there. I don't think the journalists were putting words into the mouth of those women as, as they're trying to make out. Sure. Okay, so that's um, the seven new spotlight specials they run on Sunday night, and of course they'd all be sitting on uh, seven plus if you um, missed any of them and, and feel like you'd like to go back and watch. Uh, one other um, sort of non-drama show I'd I'd like to mention maybe briefly is the leadership, a doco from uh, Bunya Productions, who um, who they do a few docos, but they're best known, I guess, for their um, their drama series, particularly Mystery Road, uh, a favourite of uh, yours and mine. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But this one, it was on the ABC recently and I managed to miss it there, but I've I've seen some promotion on social media for it. On It's on iView until the middle of June. And it's a, um, it's a story about uh, a, a Melbourne businesswoman who's turned a bit of a leadership guru, Fabian Datner. Now, she organised a sort of an expedition to Antarctica with 76 female scientists. Wow. Which is a pretty stunning um, um, thing to do anyway. Now, the the documentary go, went along on the journey, so there's no mucking around at the start. Straight away they're into the, the adventure. I think they um, flew into Argentina, uh, down to the south there, then they board a ship which takes them down into the round of the edges. It's not a journey to the South Pole or anything, but they explore the edges of Antarctica. And what happens on that um, on that that trip is, is is pretty incredible. That profiles some of the participants, pulls out about maybe half a dozen of the scientists, gives a little bit of their backstory and some of what they've some of the challenges that they've had in their life. Uh, up till now, and then some of the things I experienced actually on the expedition. So it's it's really interesting viewing. I won't give away too many spoilers, but um, it's it's very revealing, and it's sort of um, it's it's all very post me too. So it's you know it's um, shows how women have suffered uh, at the ha- and in the science community as well. That hasn't been exempt from sort of. Um, I don't know, terrible male scientists who sort of, as well as dominate uh, proceedings, um, also, you know, go out of their way to make life hard for lots of their female colleagues. Um, And, you know, a little spoiler, some of that actually happens on the actual expedition itself where you would have thought that would have been a very safe place. Wow. No, it isn't. So, yeah, look out for that. That's the leadership. Uh, Where do you watch it? Is this at Amazon? It's on iView. iView, right. Yep, so it was on the ABC where I missed it, and it's now on iView until the middle of June. Okay. Now, some of the dramas, I wanted to touch on 
mayor of East Town, which I think had just started when we did our last podcast. Yeah. Sadly, too too many weeks ago. But we're recording this before the final episode. Have you watched the final episode yet? No, I haven't. Have you? you there's no preview, is there, of the final episode? Uh, yes, I oh, have. You, you've seen and it. So, oh, okay. No, no plot spoilers from me, but, yeah, I, I, I couldn't wait. I had to watch it. <laughs> oh, I'm a little bit surprised they let that out because it's a pretty big deal. Yeah. That uh, final episode, I thought they might have hung on to that in the previews, but good on them, I guess, for uh, trusting the critics. Yeah. The um, So I wanted to talk a little bit about the suspects because so you'll have to keep mum here and um, not give anything away, okay? But in the Sydney Morning Herald ran a bit of a poll. I read that, Carl Quinn's article, yeah. Yeah. Now their number one suspect was John Ross who I think is the brother of the person who looks most likely to have done it. Yeah. Who was Billy Ross. But the second um, most likely candidate, according to people who voted in this poll, was Guy Pearce's character, Richard Ryan. And, see, I thought that from the very beginning. I was like... He was kind of there and then he wasn't. He seemed like a really nice guy, but he's a university professor and he's around a lot of girls. And, you know, when I first saw his character, even though he wasn't related, I was like, and then he wasn't in the show for a few episodes and I'm like, there's more coming with Guy Pierce, surely. Well, you would think so because you're tempted to think, well, why is he there? Yeah. I mean, he hasn't really brought much to the plot line so far. I mean, he's a sort of a love interest for Kate Winslet's um, lead character, but they never developed that very much and it was sort of only briefly touched on. I think he might have only been in two episodes so far, maybe three, but he certainly hasn't been there big time. Well, he's definitely coming back and that's all I'll say. (laughs) Well, see, the other... The other poll I've seen or the other betting odds I've seen is in uh, Vulture, which is the... um, New York Magazine's culture pages, which they call Vulture, and then they ran through a long list of potential characters. Even They even considered the police chief, <laughs> <laughs> who they rated, I think, 100,000 to one. Yeah. And they went right down the list, and their favourite for it is Billy Ross, who is, who, if you're in the penultimate episode, he, he has a sort of confession he sort of admits he did it. But and we then, saw him covered in blood to the night of the yeah. yeah. But for a lot of people, that's sort of too obvious. Yeah. And it makes the final episode unnecessary if he was, yes. if he, if he yeah. did it. Yeah. There, but I think um, Guy Pierce's character, I think, is he's either the second or third favourite for New York Magazine readers at eight to one, but he's drifted out from five to one. So in the penultimate episode, he was second favourite at five to one, but he's drifted. So a few people, perhaps because of Billy Ross's confession, have discounted Guy, but still a lot of people think his character might have done it. So but anyway, is, it's a- is this a website I can bet money on now that I actually know <laughs> who the killer is? Can I place some money on it? Well, pres- presumably you can't, Andrew. Well, I would never but, do that. <laughs> but it's interesting to a lot of these TV, these um, betting sites that take 
sort of let you bet on outcomes of um, either dramas or reality shows, the betting limits can be quite small. Right. So the potential upside there is not going to be huge. So yeah. there's no – but I, I, I must say I really love this series. Um, yeah. I, it's just been fantastic and I'm really looking forward to this. I've sort of enjoyed watching along with the rest of the world, if you like. Yeah. Making me it's wait a, each week. It's been a big hit, hasn't it? Like the, oh, it's the huge. Yeah. Are huge. It's fantastic. And, would you put that down to the Kate Winslet factor? Um, yeah, but it certainly, if it was a dog with Kate Winslet in it, nobody would have been watching. They wouldn't have stayed around, you know. Yeah, right. She, she's drawn a lot of people to it. Yeah. But I, I think I think any actor can only have so much pull. Yeah. If, if the show's no good, people will tune out. There's not many actors where you really hang around. Maybe there's a couple of exceptions. They would bump the audiences, but they wouldn't They wouldn't keep returning huge numbers, I think. And, you know, uh, Kate Winslet hasn't been in many dogs. In fact, I can't think of one off the top. I've, I can't think of any terrible movie that Kate Winslet's been in. She's normally pretty spot on with her choices. Yeah, she is. She is. She she does very well. So I'm really looking forward to that um, that final episode. And I guess we should mention the Friends reunion too before we touch oh, yeah. on other dramas. I've, I forgot about that one, sort of a, a sitcom. A lot of people were thinking it might have been a, a new episode, if you like. No. You know? But, no, this is just a reunion. Um, James Corden hosts bring them all back together. There's a live audience for a lot of it. A few sort of they peer set up questions from from the audience. A few former, a few guests, a few yep. for, few former guest stars show up. I was really impressed to see Elliot Gould sitting in the audience there because yeah. I I always I mean I haven't been a huge Friends viewer, but I, I did see him in and and I forgot he was in it. And it's interesting thinking back, what a big movie star he was back in the day. Oh, yeah, back in the late 60s with MASH and he was yeah. married to Barbara Streisand. He was huge. Yeah. Um, I thought they did the reunion really, really well. I mean, it wasn't just a sit-down interview. And there was this, I thought it was amazing that they rebuilt and recreated the sets and then got all the actors to come on to their one after another and then captured their emotion because that is actually how you draw stories out of people. I mean, those actors have probably been telling the same stories about their experience on Friends for ages. Put them back in the set after 20 years and new memories come flooding back. So I thought that was really clever. Uh, I liked it when they did the table reads of previous episodes and uh, interspersed it with the actual footage and then showed them reading it again today. I thought it was just really clever and it hit all the right spots. I've got nothing bad to say about it. I think the Friends fans will be loving it. Yeah, no, I've got nothing bad to say about it. I love getting the insights from the creators, yeah. uh, Kevin, Kevin Bright, um, David Crane and... Um, Marta Kaufman. Marta Kaufman, that's the other one. Yeah. Um, and the the producers had done their work with the clips and I was reading a bit of a an interview in the... Um, Hollywood Reporter, and there's also a podcast about that uh, Friends reunion, which is quite illuminating, but they talked about how much a better show it was because of the delay from COVID. Ah, oh, really? That they gave were, more time. Yeah, they were all set to film in March 2020. 
And I don't think they did it until April this year. Wow. Okay. And um, the the actual executive producer who never actually worked on Friends but he's the executive producer of James Corden's um, Tonight Show in the U.S., and he said that extra year gave him time to go and watch, I think it was all 256 oh. episodes. Oh. So he just he made notes. He got a lot more detail and they were able to get into the, um, if you like, I don't know, the archives and find some of those clips, including that, I think, Matt LeBlanc when he dislocates his shoulder, when he yeah. dives, dives onto a couch in one of the scenes. And you know what? You really do have to... If you're making that show, you really should have had to sit down and watch every episode. Um, I mean, it's interesting to me to watch kids today who want to watch it. Like, you know, I had my cousins around here the other day and I said to the young girls, here you go, you sit in here, I've got every single streaming site. What do you want to watch? And they went, (laughs) friends. And I was like, oh, okay. I was thinking, that's a weird choice. But, yeah, it's funny, isn't it, how, you know, there's often a fascination for sitcoms that are about 20 years old and that you can watch the episodes over and over again. And, you know, I'm amazed to hear that young kids are watching The Office and Brooklyn 999 and How I Met Your Mother and Friends. And it's like, oh, yeah. And then I think to myself, well, actually, that's what I was doing when I was a kid. You know, I was watching reruns of The Brady Bunch and, and all of those shows. So I sort of get it in a way. Sure, Seinfeld's another timeless one that yeah. that crops up on all the lists of you know most watched uh, classic sitcoms, if you like. I'm um, yet to get a kid that says they watch Seinfeld, though. It might be a bit just beyond the kids, but I think a lot of adults are rewatching <laughs> Seinfeld. Yeah, or, or teenagers, like people yeah, in, their, yeah. in, their, in their teens um, would, would be loving it. Okay, let's look at some of the dramas. Uh, an exciting one coming up that I haven't previewed any of it yet, but the unusual suspects coming to SBS on June 3. Oh, James, it is like unreal. I've watched all four episodes in one night. This is an Australian uh, mini series, it's a heist drama. It's about really rich women living in mansions in the eastern suburbs of Sydney and their Filipino maids. It's a heist drama. I don't want to give any plot spoilers to you except to say it's really fun. It's really fabulous. The Filipino cast in it are amazing. And then you've got Aussie actors in there, Miranda Otto, uh, Peter O'Brien, Matt Day, Sandy Gore, Heather Mitchell, Susie Porter. It's just like every single actor that was in it, I was like, oh, my God, I love this show. And it held up. And it's a massive thumbs up from me. I think it's the most fun Australian drama that SBS has ever made, but they still keep to their multicultural charter by setting it in the Filipino community. It is sensational. Yeah, look, your recommendations have certainly got me going on this one. And also I found out, I think it's that Toby Leonard Moore, who plays a prosecutor in Billions, is, uh, is part of the cast. Well, yeah, he was, and I didn't know who he was. I was looking at him going, I don't know who you are. I don't get it. I, I should have looked up the IMDb and, and put the, the Billions connection in there for you because it's your favourite show. But, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's really interesting casting, very, very clever. Yeah, no, he's a very pivotal uh, character in Billions, so I think if a few people who might normally go to that find out he's in it, they'll be, um, they'll be certainly tuning in. You know um, what? This, this is a drama 
that SBS will be able to sell around the world. You could stick that on Netflix and people would watch it all around the world. It looks a million bucks because of the locations they filmed it in. And, I mean, you've got Miranda Otto in there who's well-known because of Lord of the Rings. This show could and should travel the world. Yeah, the creators have got great great uh, pedigree. I think it's from uh, Aquarius Films, which is uh, Angie, is it uh, Fielder and Polly Staniford, I think, are the two um, are the two girls running Aquarius Films. And th- they've been involved with uh, Lion in the past, which was uh, Aquarius, I think, did a, uh, they made Lion in conjunction with Seesaw. Right. And, of course, they were behind uh, the other guy, the Matt O'Kine, uh so sitcom, but I think it was commissioned by Stan. Right, right. Yeah, so it's a it's a very diverse background. So they've you know they've got um, some from very different sort of work, but that all comes together for them on the unusual suspects. By the sound of it, look something else. I think this is also one um, SBS. Is it Creamery? Creamery is this absolutely outrageous <laughs> comedy from New Zealand. And that type of out there concept, the only the Kiwis seem to be able to make. It's um, uh, what happens when there's no more men left in the world and the women are left uh, to rewrite how society is done. And the title creamery refers to the sperm bank, which has an ever dwindling (laughs) supply of sperm for them to keep having babies. Is really, really nutty and out there, uh, and it's on SBS Viceland, so it'll be on SBS On Demand. So if you like what we do in the shadows or some of those other crazy New Zealand comedies, what we do in the shadows is an American show, but it's inspired by an original New Zealand film, which was my point. Sorry about that. Um, then check out Creamery. It's out there. You love you love your crazy uh, New Zealand comedies, don't you? And this oh. Hello, let's add Shortland Street to that list. Week after week, <laughs> I just go, how have I gone all my life missing this? It is so crazy. I just love the Kiwi sense of humour. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think there all those episodes are available now on um, SBS On Demand. I think there's six half hours they are. Yep. And then um, and also did we mention that I think all series of The Unusual Suspects are dropping on June 3. Oh, wow, starts. okay. Yeah. So you can binge it in one night. You'll want to. It's that good. Okay. Oh, good, good. Uh, Mr. In Between. Yeah. Oh, here we go again. Another great Aussie drama. Yeah. Third and final series. Um, I've watched the first three, directed by Nash Edgerton. Uh, look, this series is going out on a, a huge high. The first episode, you know, the it opens with Ian Roberts as this uh, crim organising uh, to steal a bunch of guns off, uh, you know, the, the lead guy, Ray, played by Scott Ryan. Um, and, whoa, it is brutal what follows. And what I love about Mr In Between is it just jumps from the most extreme violence to, you know, his teenage daughter, his father with dementia, bit of a household situation. It, it treads that line between the two extremes really well. Yeah, I've managed to avoid it somehow, not by any intention, but I, I just never got around to watching it. So this is the third and final. How much have you seen of it? I've watched the first three. Okay. They're okay. half-hour episodes. It's easy to watch. Yeah, and it was, it was filmed here, wasn't it? It's made filmed in here. Yep. It screens in America on the Sundance Channel. Like it's a big hit in America as well as here on Foxtel. Yeah, yeah, okay, Mr. In Between. 
something coming up that um, I've been looking to forward to for a while, Sticks and Stones. I think uh-huh. it's on BBC First. Mike Bartlett, uh, the guy behind um, Dr. Foster. Yeah. And a few other sort of nutty things. Well, the press he did, or just press he did as well, that wasn't really nutty. I, I love that. That was a drama about um, sort of newspapers, a newspaper war in the UK. One was a, a tabloid, the other was a more slightly more upmarket um, sort of um, uh, newspaper. So competing there but uh, reaching different um, different audiences, that was great. But, yeah, this is, um, this is pretty nutty. I've watched the first episode only. Well, what I love about Mike Bartlett's work is if you remember Dr. Foster, it started with her finding a blonde hair on her husband's jacket as she was taking it to the dry cleaner. And for the first couple of episodes, she was like, is he having an affair or am I going mad? And and you weren't really sure. And this is, uh, Sticks and Stones starts like that with something really simple, a guy giving a presentation, a very important sales deal, and his computer won't connect to the Wi-Fi. And it all goes on from there. So I love that because it makes the drama so relatable. From the very beginning, you're sitting there going, oh, my God, that could be me. You totally relate to it. And then he just takes you off. Sticks and Stones is ultimately a story about workplace bullying. And it's only three episodes. And that was another one I watched in one night. Boom. Loved it. Okay. I didn't know any of the cast in this. Like with uh, Dr. Foster, I knew Saran Jones. Yeah. Um, but there was nothing, there was no sort of bigger name, if you like, to get you into this one. And I was surprised to learn it actually was broadcast in 2019 back, yeah. in, uh, back in the UK. So it's been sitting on the shelf here for a little while. Yeah. It's, a good, it's got a great ending. Like uh, I don't know whether there'll be a second series. I think they're talking about it. But, yeah, the, the ending is killer. Okay, oh, that's good because that I think it's not. I don't think it's a spoiler to say he there's sort of creeping paranoia in that first episode, and it leaves you wondering: is he imagining all this, or is it really happening? Exactly What's what going was on? Happening in Doctor Foster, right? You know that that creeping paranoia is what Mike Bartlett does so well. You, you, yeah. you, you can't decide whether or not the person is onto something, or whether or not th- there's something else going on. Yeah, but I I. Didn't think this. I didn't think Doctor Foster was as nutty as this one, if you like. Yeah, we'll keep. What do you think? Keep watching. <laughs> yeah, and I, I and, but I remember when you watched Doctor Foster, you were pretty well. You, you were knocked out a lot, but yeah, maybe in the end, Doctor Foster explained that well, maybe she wasn't that nutty after all. Or totally, yeah. You know, she had a, had a reason for her. Um, look, it's time to talk Ryan Murphy. Ah, oh, yes. Now, um, Holston's been available for a little while. You didn't jump on it straight away. No. Are, are you falling out of love a little bit with Ryan Murphy? No, no, um, not at all. In fact, I fell a bit back in love with Ryan Murphy because Holston is a series. Ryan Murphy's great when he sticks to the facts. It's right. when he goes a bit haywire and rewrites history that you start going, what's happening here? Holston, he just sticks to the facts. It was a fashion designer. I, I was vaguely aware of him. I didn't know his history. I didn't realise he was a friend of Liza Minnelli's. I didn't realise he was doing a tonne of cocaine and there on the opening night of Studio 54. It's a very obvious topic for Ryan Murphy because he was a gay fashion designer. So there's lots of sex, lots of drugs, and, of course, 
any show where they're doing that in the 70s, when it moves into the 80s, you know what's coming next. It's not good. So uh, he sticks the facts. It's five episodes. I thought that Ewan McGregor was magnificent playing Holston, and I learned a lot from it. And, you know, as soon as it was over, I was madly on Wikipedia looking up who all the other characters in it were, like, oh, yeah, wow, wow, yeah, right, that was, yeah, they went on to this and all of that. Yeah, it's... Ryan Murphy's great when he just tells that straight biopic and and doesn't embellish it with too much. That's when he's at his best. Right. Okay. Okay. The, yeah. Look, I I, I loved um, Holston. We've I've watched probably two episodes a night. I've got just started it this week. Um, I've got one episode to go. Yeah. I thought Liza Minnelli character was great. Yeah. Was, um, Christa, I had no idea about that. Krista Rodriguez. Yes. Um, you know, she just does such a good job, I thought. Yeah. Just really brilliant. Um, she's, you know, done a lot of stuff, but um, nothing that sort of sticks out in my mind. Um, TV stuff, uh, Quantico she was in, but there's, I think they were just sort of guest, guest spots. She hasn't really, I don't think, done any sort of, um, well, maybe she has been. I'm not sure of the number of episodes, so I won't shoot my mouth off there. But she's done a lot of theatre work. Um, she was in a chorus line. So, yeah. you know, um, but it's it's just fantastic. Ewan McGregor, he, again, he's a bit like Kate Winslet. He's he's never really in a dud, you know. Yeah, um, he, and he embodies that role. Like I, 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 they made a big deal about the fact that he was actually cutting some of the designs, but the way he picked up that piece of fabric, remember when he was having a blank and yep. he gets this idea and then he just cut the scissors through it and then draped it over the girl and it just looked magnificent. Wow, it was fantastic. Yeah, yeah, no, it's excellent. And I also like Bill Pullman is yeah. another, um, is another quite a big name. He played his sort of saviour, if you like. He, he's invested David Mahoney or Mahoney. Yes. Um, because was there a stage when Holston looked like he might go belly up because he wasn't just wasn't making any money? Yeah. Uh, despite getting some quite good publicity, but he couldn't quite commercialise the operation. And you know, at times it looks like they're going to fall out, but but so far they they get on reasonably well. You know, they do differ quite a bit, but you know, they they manage to find a way through it all and keeps the business ticking over for a while anyway. And the other interesting performance in it is Vera Farmiga playing oh, the perfume yeah. <laughs> when Holston decides to create his own perfume. And I, I just loved all of that. She she comes in with like, tell me what this scent reminds <laughs> you of. Oh, I loved it. <laughs> she's wonderful, yeah. But I, I sort of looked up her career and I thought she'd done, she's been in a lot of duds. Yeah, she's, really? She's made a lot of dud movies. Right. Yeah. <laughs> was it was it up in the air? What was the thing with George Clooney? That was up in the air with George. Yeah, Clooney. that yeah, was great. But yeah, but apart from that, gee, there's not much that I've really seen. Well, she was in Bates Motel. Everybody loved her in Bates Motel. She played Norman Bates' mother. Yeah, never saw that. Never yeah, saw see, that. People that watched Bates Motel loved it, but it was just it was one of those things I just never quite got into, and and you know, yeah. it's there to, for catch up one day. Yeah. How prolific! I know we say this often when we talk about Ryan Murphy, but how prolific is this guy? Oh, huh? and, I mean, and well, since we're talking Ryan Murphy, the third and final series of Pose, which is now on binge and a new episode dropping every week, 
oh, you know, I, I love this show so much, you know, and it'll go down in history as the, sh- the first show to have the largest transgender cast in history and behind the scenes. And, you know, the first season was about setting up that ballroom scene and they were black and Latino and gay and poor and they, they went to those balls and dressed up to make themselves feel good. And then it gets very dark in the second season because of HIV. But now in this third season, although we're going to see some death from AIDS, my God, the show has just been infused with so much joy and a sense of family and you get all these flashbacks to explain how all the characters met back in the day. And then one of the characters ends up with a lot of money and she starts throwing it around. And so you end up with this wedding, I think maybe one of the most incredible over-the-top weddings, which is the episode that will drop on Foxtel tomorrow. And then it's a 90-minute finale. Pose is going to go down as one of the great TV shows for me. You wonder how he gets the time to do all this because I had a, I did a quick count just before. There's but just his TV work alone, 18 shows in the last 18 years. Yeah. But 11 of them in the last five years. Yeah. I mean, that's an incredible output. And then there's been some movies and there's even a list of his unprodduced projects. I mean, they're oh, just, they just must have such got- a team of creatives yeah. working with him to be able to have that sort of volume. Yeah, the, the, the list of stuff that he's still got coming up is incredible, you know. Um, so, yeah, he's got so, you know, he can do an American horror story and then do a, an American crime story with O.J. Simpson or Gianni Versace. Like, you know, when he gets it right, he really gets it right. Um, but, but it's no surprise when he's making so many shows that sometimes he just goes off with something really crazy on the side. <laughs> Which would be, I guess, what was it Ratchet? That, um... Well, there was Ratchet and then there was Hollywood and, oh, God, it was all over the shop and the politician <laughs> was a bit all over the shop and all that. But he, I'm sure he's doing his, I'm sure he's doing a Charles and Dice story as well. Oh, really? That's wow. on the list. Yeah, it's still to come. Okay. Well, that would be fascinating. That would be fascinating. All right. Look, I think that um, that exhausts our list today, so that's good. We've, we've knocked off a few things there. Um, my viewing then for the next week, I've got a. I'll, I'll finish um, Mayor of East Town. Yep. I will finish Holston. So only one episode in both of those, and I'm going to get into Unusual Suspects and Creamery. Yes, indeed. So, and then on my list, I'm into the fourth and final series of Jack Irish. Is it the fourth series? I, I think it's the fourth series, um, but it's the final series and there's just four episodes. Maybe it's just four episodes, but, yeah. Guy okay. Swan Song, I'll be uh, inhaling that tonight. Okay. Well, we'll have more to talk about that in our next podcast. So, as always, Andrew, look great catching up with you and we'll uh, talk again soon. Thanks, James. Have a good week.